I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class, but I love quilting and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. So join me now as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Hey, I'm Sandy and I'm a quilter and welcome to episode 194 in which we recap 2015 and look ahead to 2016 quilty resolutions. And I'm recording this on Tuesday, December 29th, 2015 evening time. I've been really kind of oddly off in my recording schedule, but that's because it's this time of year and weekends tend to get a little bit full. Um, although Sunday, which is when I typically try to record, I was actually pretty um, free, as I recall. I don't actually remember Sunday very well. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I was doing much other than being home and very sleepy and still doing a lot of embroidery and some sewing and such. It was pretty a low-key day because um, we were still in recovery from the holidays. Um, I... I know for a fact I won't be able to record this coming weekend unless I put one out on Saturday because uh, this coming Sunday is my side of the family's Christmas that we're hosting at our house. So um, I know I won't be able to do that day. And then a couple of days after that, the following Wednesday or Thursday, I head to Boston for a couple of weeks. So actually, as it turns out, this may be the last episode <laughs> I'm able to post for a little while. We'll see. Hopefully, I'll be able to get another one out before I leave, but I'm not 100% positive. Um, I am going to mostly be talking about quilty resolutions in this episode. We'll see how long that takes. If I actually... Um, if that doesn't take me as long as I'm thinking it might, then I might do a couple of uh, book reviews on some embroidery books, or at least a quick overview of some of the ones I've gotten more recently that I've found to be very helpful. Uh, but if I can't include that in this episode, if things go on longer than I think they're going to, then I will certainly do that in the near future. Um, so here we go. Uh, first, just a little bit of a Sandy update. I'm still working on all the things I've said I've been working on. I uh, am still doing my crazy quilt block embroidery and really just having a ball with it. Uh, this whole beading thing is just way too much fun. And in fact, I did, uh, I talked on Twitter and I think I also posted something in the Facebook group about the fact that, you know, with all of these beads I have, I don't have a huge stash compared to people who have been beading for a while or jewelry makers, etc. But, you know, I've got a, a decent sized stash for somebody who's only started beading. Um, it does all fit in one little plastic basket, but there's, you know, beads are small. There's a lot that can fit in that basket. Um, but, you know, of course, I sit down to design my next couple of little embroidery things I want to do on this block and immediately discover that in one case, I really need a smaller size of a bead I already own. And in a couple of other cases, I well, one other case, I just needed a different color altogether. Strangely, I have no purple beads at all. And I really wanted to use a purple bead in this one part that I want to embroider. And then I also realized I only have one size of black seed beads and they were fairly large. And if I'm gonna start putting like little critters and such who need eyes, I really needed a smaller black seed bead as well. So I did 
have a quick foray over to across town to the um, bead store that I like so well uh, yesterday, only to discover that they're actually closed all this week. They're um, transitioning in management. There was a rumor afoot that they were actually going to close altogether, but apparently somebody did buy them out at the last minute and they're reopening under new management next week. So I wasn't able to pick up beads there. I did go to a Michaels and I was able to get a couple of the beads, you know, one, the purple beads. I wasn't trying to match anything or get any particular type of bead. I just needed a purple seed bead. So I could find that at Michaels well enough. And of course the smaller um, black seed bead was easy enough to find there. But the other bead I needed a smaller size of the bead I already own is a more unusual bead that I had bought at that one bead store and I couldn't find anything that, that matched it at Michael's. So um, I do have to go back to that bead store at some point. And yes, I did look at, well, should I just use, you know, could I use a different um, bead? Could this be a happy accident, a, a design um, opportunity? But no, I really do want <laughs> the smaller size for the effect I'm going for in this particular uh, spot. I really need just the smaller size of that bead. I also, at the same time, that's the, that bead store is in the same plaza with the uh, the needlework store where I sometimes get embroidery threads, and with the local quilt shop, um, one of our larger ones in the area. I wasn't going to go to the embroidery store. I wanted to go to the LQS because I was trying to find border fabric for my Jacob's Ladder quilt, and struck out. That store at least was open. Um, but I just, I could not find anything that was calling to me. So that ended up, I won't say it's a wasted trip, but you know, it, it was not successful. <laughs> so um, I'm, I'm feeling, you know, that sort of took the wind out of my sails a little bit. I still have other embroidery uh, parts of the embroidery I can do on the crazy quilt block. That's, you know, that's not a stopper, not being able to get that one bead. Um, but not being able to get the border fabric for the Jacob's Ladder quilt did sort of take the wind out of my sails because... I really want to get that fully pieced this week. So that means I have to figure out another time I can get to another quilt shop. And at this point, all of the other quilt shops that have enough fabric for me to bother going to them, let's say, are at least a 30 to 45 minute drive away from my house. So this is not just a quick trip. This is something that's going to take, you know, half a day. And I really didn't want to spend another half a day on the road. So anyway, that's that's kind of where that stands right now. I did spend some time, finally made myself sit back down on the Jacob's Ladder this afternoon, and um, I'm working on piecing the rose. I know Jay is just shuddering right now to hear me talking about rose because she is an advocate of chunking, uh, doing things in kind of units of blocks rather than in rows. And I did think about chunking this particular quilt, but it's there's way too much margin for error and for me getting something switched around if I don't follow my map exactly. So I am doing it in rows. Um, in this case, that's just what's going to work best for me. So I've got slightly more than half of the rows pieced and then... Um, I just kind of lost steam, so I'll probably I'll finish up those rows and then hopefully get all the rows pieced together tomorrow. Um, maybe what I should do is do that first thing in the morning and then I can run out to the quilt shop in the afternoon to get the border fabric. We'll see. Uh, today I actually spent a fair amount of time doing some classwork and I need to keep poking away at that all week. I've gotten the two books that I really wanted to get read before I start class at the end of next week done. Um, but there's just, there's a couple of other books I really could use to get read or at least um, 
you know, look at the syllabus and see how much of those books I need to get read. I know it's significant portions of them or I wouldn't have purchased them. Plus just organizing my notes and such. So, you know, I am taking a little bit of time each day. The nice thing about having a day off, I am, I'm a fairly routinized person, routinized. Uh, I work best if I have some sort of a pattern to my day, which is actually why I work really well at home. I've worked from a home office for, gosh, close to two decades, which makes me sound really, really, really old. But <laughs> I've been doing this for a while and I never had a problem making the adjustment. Some people really struggle with working from home. I never have because I very quickly realized the best way to do it. Back when I was freelancing and my schedule was completely my own, I still kept a, a very um, pretty specific schedule and I tend to be a work first, play later person. So I would work in the morning on whatever I needed to get done that day in my freelancing job. And then if I didn't need to keep working that afternoon, I would do other things, but I always would start the morning. So, you know, that kind of habit is carried over now in my vacation time when I've got classwork to do. I sit down, you know, I get my coffee in the morning, I wake up a little bit, and then I immediately start doing the reading and the classwork and everything. So I get that done first, and then I do whatever sewing or quilting I want to do after that. Um, so today, I don't feel like I've gotten a lot done. I did spend a lot more time doing classwork than I kind of thought I did. And then I had a hair appointment, which takes a while at this stage because there is color involved. So <laughs> by the time I got home, I was kind of tired. I had to eat lunch. And so I haven't gotten as much quilty stuff done, but I do expect to do some embroidery tonight. Um, so that's all I'm really doing on the, the sewing front, quilty front, textile front at this point. Um, it's just kind of, you know, the same stuff is now in sort of a plug along kind of mode. Um, so let's talk about the content of this episode, which is Quilty Resolutions. As I said last time, I wanted to go back and look at the 2015 Quilty Resolutions. I'm going to talk about what my resolution was and how I did on it. I'm going to share highlights from listener resolutions because a lot of you uh, joined in this uh, giveaway last year in the resolution challenge so I don't have time to read everybody's on air or we would be here a while but I'm going to highlight just one section of it um, and then we'll talk about 2016. So those of you who are new again especially if you're just joining for this episode I have a tradition apparently it's always funny when you realize you've done something every year for the whole time i've been doing this podcast i have challenged listeners to come up with quilty resolutions for the upcoming year and then anybody who joins in i put their name in a basket for a giveaway or not a basket a metaphorical basket a raffle copter <laughs> cyber basket uh in any case in 2015 the resolution challenge was what is one thing you've really wanted to do for at least some particular length of time that you've just not made the time to do? And then that was your resolution. So it was looking at what's one thing you've really kind of wanted to do for a while, but you've never really taken the time to do it in a quilty way, fiber way. Um, make it your resolution for 2015. My resolution for 2015 is I really wanted to do monthly journal quilts. And the way I explained this is that when I went to the Houston Quilt Festival in 2006, they had um, the big exhibit that year was journal quilts. 
and I bought the book on the exhibit and I still love that book. I still pull it out and look at it. I've loaned it out to a couple of people over periods of time. Um, it's just really a wonderful concept and journal quilts are basically just a very small uh, quilt, generally an art quilt, although you could do a block if you wanted to. Um, I believe the original journal quilt exhibit challenge thing that they did, uh, I, there were very specific size uh, requirements. I think it was something like eight by 10 because it was it had to be small enough to fit into the mailing envelope that you would then send it to this competition. Uh, so there were very specific uh, specifications for it. Specific specifications. There's a phrase for you. Uh, in any case, when I decided to do my journal quilts, I wasn't quite as specific, but I did want to keep it within more or less that eight by 10 range. The other thing about journal quilts is different people approach them in different ways. Sometimes they'll follow a theme and just address that theme differently in each of their journal quilts. Uh, sometimes they'll use a technique or they'll play around with color or they'll use one image and mess around with it in different ways. Sometimes the, the theme itself is just the size of the quilt working with that field of design as they talk about um, that particular size and what can you do with that size that maybe you can't do it successfully in a larger size. For me, my monthly journal quilts, um, I really just wanted to use it as an example to play with techniques, uh, playing with elements of design, playing with colors, challenge myself in some way or whatever. Um, at the time, we also had our design study group going, and so I had the thought that I'd be able to combine it with design study group homework. Um, and then I was going to blog about them every month. Well, unfortunately, I think I only got three done all in. Um, I think it was three. I did another one that I called a journal quilt, but I never actually finished it. That was one of my, my embroidery things where I used embroidery on uh, painted silk that I had done, um, where I had actually painted the silk myself. And the reason it never got finished is because it didn't, you know, part of the thing was experimenting and it, it didn't, the experiment worked in that I learned from it, um, but I didn't really like the end results enough to actually finish the project. I still have it. I didn't throw it out, um, but it never got turned into a journal quilt. Uh, and then, of course, as you know, I started school and that put the kibosh on getting anything else done. So I did not complete my quilty resolution totally. However, I did achieve my goal in that I adjusted my whole attitude towards how I approach quilting. My, my word of 2015 did also combine in with my resolution challenge. Um, again, as I talked about in the last episode, over the last two, three, I don't remember when I started doing this with the um, quilty resolutions, I've also invited people to include what they want their year of the word of the year to be which is based on, um, I can't remember the original person who put this out there uh, and whether or not there was a single re uh, individual person, I don't know, but I picked up on it after hearing Sandy at Quilt Cabana Corner podcast talk about it several years back. And I really liked the concept and so I've started to do it. And my word of 2015 was experimentation. And I specifically chose that word because it fit in with my journal quilts. I wanted to make sure I kept in mind that all of these were experiments. And so that meant they didn't have to actually 
turn out perfectly. They were trying things out. They were seeing what would happen. And that means sometimes the end result is not anything you really want public to see, but you've learned from the process. That's the whole point of experimentation. Um, and I did do that and I'm still doing that. You know, honestly, my crazy quilt work, that's really kind of experimental because I've never done it before. I'm trying new techniques every time. Um, I'm learning more about embroidery. I'm experimenting with beadwork. I've just brought that whole attitude forward into doing this. The other thing I wanna talk about that word of the year, experimentation, we've actually been doing that at work too. That has become one of our big words at work is experiment. And this comes out of work with Adaptive Challenge. Any of you who are familiar with Ronald Heifetz's work um, on adaptive change and adaptive leadership, our denomination has been doing that for the last couple of years. My organization really took hold of it last year, a little bit before, but really um, when our main leadership and, and I particularly got involved with it was really last year going into this year, and we still are. But one of the key things is thinking of when you want to try something new to think of it as an experiment, because what we tend to get ourselves roped into, particularly when it comes to work, the stakes always feel so high that, well, you can't try anything unless you're gonna be pretty sure it's actually gonna work because if it doesn't work, people are gonna you know, write letters, I'll say. <laughs> That's my running joke. I'm gonna get letters, you know, um, <laughs> that, that if you try something new and it fails, people are waiting for you to fail and therefore they're gonna say, see, don't ever do that again. Whereas the reality is you have to try things new. You have to stick your neck out once in a while or else your organization will die. You know, you've got to keep trying to move forward and do new things and try new things and experiment. Um, so as we use that term at work is, you know, that this is an experiment. We're going to try something. It's an experiment. It does a couple things. First of all, it takes a lot of the pressure off. I mean, obviously you're still trying to do it to the best of your ability, but you're not stressing about it in the same way because it's almost like I don't. It's almost like you're expecting to fail <laughs> at some degree. You're 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 taking away that need for it to work perfectly, because although you're going to give it your best shot and try to do everything you can to set yourself up for success, you're also willing to say, "Hey, we've never done this before," and that means something may happen that we are not expecting, and that's okay. So you actually find yourself. Um, or at least we have, I can only speak for our experience, you find yourself more willing to take risk. You find yourself more willing to stick your necks out a little bit further. And the other thing it does is it reminds you to look at what you've done after it's over and learn from it. Too many times we do something, and especially if it goes well, we say, oh, that went great, and you move on. And you don't take the time to actually reflect on it and say, what made it work well? Why do we even think it worked? What was our standard for saying this worked as opposed to this didn't work? What were our goals for it? Did we achieve our goals? Did other goals come forward that we weren't expecting? Did we achieve other things that were completely out of the blue for us? You know, it's that, it's called action reflection in my world. Um, thinking of things as experimentation opens you up to all of that. And it just puts your head in a different place as you're moving forward. And I achieve that in my um, journal quilts and in my quilting by keeping that word in my forefront it just reminded me constantly cut yourself some slack Sandy this is an experiment <laughs> you're, you're just trying something new here and 
like I said, we also did it in work and we've tried several new things that we would have never tried, you know, five years ago because there was this sense of everything we do has to work and therefore we're not going to mess with, you know, things we've already been doing for a while that are kind of working like a well-oiled machine. Um, so anyway, that was my little bit of a soapbox there about the word experimentation. Uh, so I will say that although I didn't get a monthly uh, journal quilt out every single month, which might imply that I failed at my resolution, I actually count it as a win because I got my mindset where I needed it to be, and that was the whole goal of that. Um, so let me recap with you listener folks. I have to open up the right page here. I, again, I had too many submissions to be able to do. I'm not going to be able to read all of your resolutions to you. I will um, post, like I've said, I will post your spreadsheet back up on, um, or a link to the spreadsheet back up on my blog at some point in the next couple of days so you can double check it. But I did want to talk about that word of the year um, because, again, for me, that's really been a helpful tool. Um, and so all of you did, I think, I'm pretty sure all of you have said, um, most of you did some words of the year. So I just want to remind you what your words were. Aaron's word was expand, um, skill, creativity, audience, blog, etc. Betsy's word was actually three with an exclamation point and a comma, so we'll let it go. Betsy said, yes, I can. Gretchen's word, which she actually wrote in a whole paragraph, but I'm just going to say the word, it was attuned, A-T-T-U-N-E-D. Um, Gretchen wanted to be attuned. Noni wanted to finish. She had a lot of things she needed to finish, so that was going to be her word of the year. Molly was persevere. Denise was gifts that she really wanted to focus on um, having some things ready for gifts when she needed to be able to give them. Nancy wanted to learn, and that was in honor of her dad. Shelly Beth, explore. Judy was another persevere. She had something she really wanted to accomplish, and so she's going to persevere. Um, Daryl also said learn, and specifically mentioned Missouri Star Quilt Company tutorials um, and the disappearing uh, series. So Daryl, let us know how that go went and send pictures if you can. Susan was completion, similar to finish. Christy, endings and beginnings. And she apologized for the three words, but she did have some things that needed to just end <laughs> and some other things she wanted to start for the first time. Shelley's word was simplify. And she actually looked it up in the thesaurus before she chose it. Um, so she had, she really fine-tuned her word of the year. Rebecca was positivity. Carolyn wanted to reduce the amount of material in her sewing room. How did you do on that, Carolyn? Terry wanted consistent. She says she's a quick starter, but sometimes lacked consistency. So that was going to be her word of the year. Uh, Gay was embark. She felt like she was stuck in a rut and she wanted to embark on some adventures. Gayla was persistence, um, another persistent person. She wanted to be more persistent in doing more of what she loved. Margaret was momentum and she felt like she had good projects going and she just wanted to keep that momentum going. Allison her word was stash buster. She really wanted to end the year with less than what she started it out with. So Allison, you got to give us a report on that. 
Jackie had, again, three words. Some of you are not very good at following rules. Jackie said more with less. Patty's word of the year was enjoy. Alicia or Elysia is inspire. Sue's word of the year was bestow um, because she wanted to bestow quilty gifts on others. Jackie's word of the year is enough, and that's not just for her quilty world, that was for her entire life. Candy wanted, her word of the year was grow because she wanted to push herself outside of her comfort zone. Maureen's word, two words, be intentional. And that was not only for quilting, but also for all aspects of her life. Uh, Sarah, another perseverance. Carol was explore, and she specifically mentioned prayer flags, which was something I did one of and would like to do more of as well. But Carol, how did you do on those prayer flags? Patty, <laughs> Patty's was three words that she mushed all into one word. So I guess we'll let that go. Her words are stick to it. Melanie, another completion. Lots of people wanted to finish and complete things. Another Allison's word was action. Lauren's word was freedom. She wanted freedom from unloved UFOs, unwanted stash, and self-imposed limitations. Louisa wanted her word of the year was patience. Donna's word of the year was improve. Jamie's word of the year was explore. Um, all sorts of things. Not only she also wanted to go to a couple of quilt shows that she hasn't been to. Uh, Carrie's word was worthy. She wanted to remind herself that she is worthy of the time she takes for herself to learn new things and pursue creative endeavors. Ozzy Pip's word was do. And she said, I was going to try, I was going to say try, but then I thought about Yoda's words in one of the Star Wars movies, do or do not, there is no try. So I changed it to do. Um, Ozzy Pip is definitely a Star Wars fan. We've uh, had those conversations on Twitter. Catherine's word of the year is spark. She wanted her explorations and freedom to be the spark for a new voice in her artwork. Francis of Off Kilter Quilt, her word of the year was learn. Dion or Dion is organize. And so are you organized more this year than last year? Claire had an interesting life experience going on her radar when she did her uh, resolutions last year. And her word was transition because she was retiring in February. So Claire, let us know how that transition went. Jennifer had an entire phrase. There is no way we can even come close to pretending this was one word, Jennifer, but that's okay. It's the year of the kits, K-I-T-S, uh, because she had a whole lot of quilt and cross-stitch kits that she really wanted to try to finish. So again, Jennifer, we want you to report in. How did you do? Julie's word is bold, B-O-L-D. Trish's word was enjoy. Now here's one, Deborah has, was as her word three. She was the only one that chose a number <laughs> as a word. And that was because she just wanted to focus on just three fiber projects at a time. Um, and she was, she was the one, and I remember talking about this when I was doing this last year. Uh, she says, when I try to work on more, the progress can be so slow that I end up killing them. 
I hate UFOs, so I just take my rotary cutter and kill projects instead when they don't pass the would I start this project again today test. <laughs> so, so while Deborah leaves the ravages of UFOs behind her, <laughs> we hope that you are able to to focus on just your your three projects at a time. Leah shared a word with me. She also wanted to experiment. Holly, um, uh, let's see, Holly was waffling a little bit between a word she had used before, but decided to fit to use faith as her current goal, faith in her skills and talents, ideas, faith in others, etc. Um, so Holly, how did that work out for you? Judy uh, chose a word that's not really a word and isn't really one word, but we'll let her get away with it again. Non-perfection. She was working on her perfectionist tendencies. Annie's word, because it's hyphenated, we'll let it go, follow through. Um, Janie's word was indulge, and Carrie's word was relax. I think that's all of them. So all of you who played along with last year's resolutions, I will be expecting comments on how that all went for you. So 2016 resolution. Remember, I already talked about what it is last week. I will recap it again. For 2016, what are three things you are going to do to clean house in your quilty life mentally or physically? Are there three things you need to do to straighten up, organize, get rid of, or whatever you need to do in order for you to feel like you can move ahead mentally or physically? So here are my three. The first one is a UFO that I need to just admit will never get done. And it is, sadly enough, my hexi quilt. Um, I can't even call it a quilt. It's a box full of hexies. This was based on a challenge that Jay of Art Quilt Maker and Pam of Hip to Be a Square and I all engaged in years ago. I mean, like three or four years ago. Because And it all started because I had said I'd never done a hexi quilt, and Jay challenged me and Pam joined in, and I believe Jay and Pam both got theirs done. I never got mine done. I have all of my hexies cut, um, but it's never going to get done. I don't think I already talked about this on a podcast. I think I talked about, I'm remembering talking about it on a podcast because I think it's the episode that I never actually posted. So forgive me if you've already heard this before, but I don't think you have. Um, the difficulty I had was not with doing hexes, and it, it, but it had there were two stoppers to it. The first, well, one real main stopper to it. So I was going to do an abstract design. Um, these are not, by the way, English paper piecing hexes. This was all by machine. And my hexes are actually fairly large. Um, I don't remember the measurements offhand, but I think they are something like a five inch hexie. Um, because, and oh, and by the way, I used the K Wood, K A Y E is her first name, Wood method for cutting hexagons. And if you just look that up on YouTube, you'll find it. Um, it's really easy and wonderful. And, um, my hexi cutting went really smoothly. There was no problem doing that. The uh, difficulty I had was the design I had come up with was a very abstract uh, setup of hexes 
in a quilt that we're going to form the background, almost a watercolor wash type effect of a background for an applique or really funky freehand machine quilting. I had all these wonderful visions about what this thing was going to be. Well, here comes the problem. In order to do an abstract design um, on hexes, I would have to lay out the entire quilt before I sewed a single hexie together because I would have to pay very, very, very close attention to which hexes I was attaching to which. I have no surface whatsoever large enough to lay out <laughs> how big this hexi quilt was going to be. And so that became my stopper. I got all the hexes cut. I was all ready to go. And then I was like, how do I do this? And unfortunately, when you hit a stopper like that and it just sort of, you know, bursts, that's the pin in the balloon and you lose energy. And then you keep saying, well, I'll get back to it next week. Well, I'll get back to it next week. And then it sits for a while. I have totally lost any interest in ever trying to finish this thing at this point. It's just not where my head is at anymore. Um, even though I could still do something funky and artistic with it, it's just that's just not where I'm at. And I've just needed to say, no, that's not going to happen. And I have a particular friend that I think will be overjoyed to get all these cut hexes in all of these directions and I or all of these different colors. And I could easily see her coming up with something wonderful. Um, I'm going to include my design in it just in case she's interested, but I have no interest or expectation that she would follow that design or that she would even use all of these hexes in a single project or that she might not just cut them up for scraps and use them in some other way. Um, the hexes were all pretty much cut from stash fabric anyway. It's not like I spent any money on this. I never consider stash that's over a year old really as money because <laughs> it's been around a while and also partly because a lot of my current stash is, is still stuff I inherited from my mother several years ago. So, you know, I have no emotional attachment to these fabrics. I have no um, interest or desire or even sense that, well, someday I may get back to that quilt. So that's, that's number one of something I'm cleaning house. Um, both physically, it's it's no longer going to be taking up space on my shelf, but it's also mentally because I'm releasing myself from that particular UFO as an obligation with apologies to Jay and Pam, because I know I fell through on her challenge. Um, the second one that I'm getting that I'm cleaning house on is also another UFO. Um, this was our guild uh, used to do periodically block of the month challenges where we would work on um, blocks and we wouldn't exchange them or anything. It was just for our own purpose, but we had um, one of the women in the guild would choose whatever block we were going to do the next month and we would all do it whatever size we wanted and whatever fabrics we wanted to do, whatever. And I started doing it uh, the 2013 block of the month. I started doing them and I think I got I think I got four or five months in and I was doing multiple blocks of each block. So I have, I don't remember how many, I, I just pulled out the bin, but I pulled out the stock of blocks. I haven't counted them. I think I have four blocks each of four months. I think I have like 16 blocks all in. And I really like what I did, but I've decided I'm never actually going to finish. I kept the list of the rest of the month's blocks. I, you know, I knew what the other ones were that were chosen. Um, but I think I'm just going to, what I'm going to do is release myself again from the obligation of finishing that block of the month and just use the blocks I've got. 
because they're cute and I can easily put them together into something very small. It'll be a small wall hanging, you know, I don't know, maybe a table runner. I'm not quite sure. I've got to lay them out and kind of play with them a little bit to see where I want to go with it. Um, but that was my second one is again, just to release myself from the obligation of one of my UFOs um, and repurpose all the scraps that are in the bin that I was working off of from the set, et cetera. So that was my second of the three things. The third thing I'm going to do to clean house in my quilty life is definitely a mental thing. I am going to clean house by releasing myself of any sense of the word should in my quilty life. The word should gets us in a whole lot of trouble. And what I mean by that is the minute I start thinking, you know, I should make so-and-so a quilt. I should make thus-and-so for this person, that person, this event, that event. I should use up stash. I should finish this project or that project. Whenever that word should shows up, that should be a red flag <laughs> because should implies obligation, but not joy at least in my mental dictionary. And I have done a couple of projects this year that were definitely should projects that I really didn't or am not <laughs> finding a whole lot of joy in the process. And in, in one case, it's, it's a gift that I know when I give it, I'm going to have all sorts of misgivings about whether or not they actually really are liking it, even if though I know they'll say they would do. Um, but anyway, all of that should stuff just becomes problematic for me. And that, that doesn't mean I want to go through life responsibility free. No, there's plenty of things I know I should do that I'm going to do, and I'll do them happily. But <laughs> when it comes to my quilty life, the word should has always just been an issue for me. So in 2016, I'm going to really do my best to release myself from that word should and only take on projects that I really want to do and, and feel, you know, good about doing or, or have fun doing or find meaningful to do or can whip out in two hours. So it doesn't really matter one way or the other, you know, whatever. Um, that for me was, as I was thinking about 2016, and what I felt like I really needed to do to move forward, that was a big one for me, is to, is to release myself from that word, should. So, my three things that I'm doing to clean house in my quilty life, mentally or physically, is I'm not doing, I'm not going to finish, I'm releasing myself from the idea of finishing the hexi quilt. I'm going to release myself from the idea of finishing the 2013 Guild Block of the Month and instead just work with what I did get done and I'm going to release myself from the word should. So as I release myself from one word, what is my word of the year for 2016? This probably won't come as any surprise. My word for 2016 is balance. Um, I was joking with my husband <laughs> the other day that if I could figure out how to get really good grades and also lose weight at the same time, I would be golden because I've done very well on the grade front, but I've also gained weight because I am just sitting in a chair all day freaking long. So 
I have got to figure out something. And it's not just about weight, it's about my energy levels, my creativity, how fast my brain works. Everything shuts down when you don't move. That's what happens. Plus, I also know there were periods of time this fall when I couldn't get at a sewing machine and I didn't have the energy to embroider or do anything. I would literally leave my office at the end of the night, go downstairs, sit in front of the couch, or sit in front of the couch, sit on the couch in front of the TV playing iPad games because I had no brain left. And I believe I mentioned this on either in my blog or on a previous podcast episode, I don't remember where, how much I really missed doing something with my hands, doing quilting, doing sewing, doing embroidery, doing something that wasn't words um, because I deal with words at work and I deal with words <laughs> in school. I need to do something that involves no words and involves instead color and texture and shape. That's how I renew myself. And so um, 2016, I'm really going to be taking a hard look at my schedule. I'm going to be taking a hard look at how I do student life um, that setting myself up better in certain habits may actually mean I spend less time in certain ways. It's one of these trade-off things. I need to spend more time in certain ways so that I'm spending less time in other ways. That's kind of complicated to explain because it would involve me going into the whole school thing, which I don't really want to do. Um, But I need to work out my schedule during the day so that I not only am doing work and doing school, but I'm also getting exercise And at least a couple times a week, I am being creative in some way that doesn't involve words, like I said. Um, So that's my word of 2016 is balance. So now it's your turn. Again, sometime in the next day or two, I'm going to get that blog post up with the form um, for you to fill out your own 2016 Quilty Resolutions. And again, it's three things you are going to do to clean house in your quilty life, mentally or physically. And then I also encourage you to do a word of the year. Um, And anybody who wants to leave comments on this episode about your own resolutions or about your word of the year, or you can leave it on the blog post whenever I do get that up. And remember, there's a giveaway involved in that. Um, Let us know. Also, do you find, how, how do you find the process of doing the quilty resolutions and having the word of the year? Do you find that helpful to you? Because there may be people listening to this who have never um, done this before and are kind of wondering, well, you know, that sounds like a good idea, but I don't really know whether it would help or not. I find it very helpful, which is why I keep doing it every year. Um, and, and I know from some of the responses I've gotten from some of you that you also find it helpful. So let people know, what it, what is it you find helpful in general terms about having quilty goals or about doing especially that word of the year thing? Because I know there are some people who really do it all the time. Um, how is that useful to you? I just think people would be interested in, in knowing about that. All right, let me, let me, I will talk here about a couple of embroidery books. Um, I know not all of you are into embroidery, but so I'll keep it short. I'm not going to do full out reviews, but I'll just let you know about some of the ones I've found particularly helpful in terms of doing this crazy quilt thing and embroidery thing. But primarily this is all around. um, This is really all about crazy quilting now as I'm looking at the books that are stacked in front of me. 
So Crazy Quilting, there are several books. I've already mentioned, I believe, Allie Aller's Crazy Quilting book. Um, I am doing her class on Craftsy. She's very good. She's a great teacher. I love her class. Um, her book is, no, this one is, okay, it's the other book that she did with somebody else. This is just her, Allie Aller. And she goes through um, really everything you need to know about crazy quilting. She talks about several different ways to put blocks together. She talks about how to work with different types of fabric. Um, she talks a little bit about design. She gives embroidery stitches. And then, of course, there's lots of wonderful eye candy. Uh, so, and then in the, in the back um, of the book, she actually has several projects that you can use, all of which involve crazy quilt techniques in some ways, even if the project itself is not actually a crazy quilt. Um, so I do highly recommend this book. Again, that's Allie Aller's Crazy Quilting, Modern Piecing and Embellishing Techniques for Joyful Stitching. The second book that I have with her name on it, um, she did with somebody else, and this one's called Quilting dot dot dot, just a little bit crazy, a marriage of traditional and crazy quilting, and it's Allie Aller and Valerie Bothell, Bothell, B-O-T-H-E-L-L. And in this one, the two of them each share different techniques for making crazy quilt blocks, um, for doing stitching and embellishing different types of tools and resources to use. They also talk, um, and I think she does this, I think Allie Eller also covers this in her other book, about if you want to do a crazy quilt and not hand stitch it, there's all sorts of things you can do with decorative stitches on your machine. So you can do a crazy quilt entirely by machine. Um, and I know this quilting just a little bit crazy does talk a lot about machine quilting. I believe it does in the other one as well. And then of course, again, lots of eye candy. Um, this one has more in the way of projects, but interestingly, they're also more in the way of crazy quilts, not so much different types of things you can do that incorporate crazy quilt techniques in them like Ellie Eller's Crazy Quilting book does. The third book I've been uh, turning to on occasion is much more old school. Um, I inherited it from my mother. It's got a 1990-something publication date, 1998. And it's Crazy Quilting, um, Heirloom Quilts, Traditional Motifs, and Decorative Stitches, How to Make Crazy Quilts. This one's by Christine Dabbs, D-A-B-B-S. Um, this one is definitely, if you are into traditional quilt, uh, crazy quilts, this is your book. It is dead on old school crazy quilting. Um, what makes this one, I think, a little bit unique is that the first section of it is a lot of history and it has a lot of examples of antique crazy quilts and some of the stories behind them. Um, so from a documentation perspective, this one is just a very, very cool book. Um, just lots of wonderful information in it. It does, again, also have uh, embroidery motifs. It has fewer, well, let me flip through this here. Well, it's got some basic stitches and stitch designs. It, it sort of, to a degree, assumes you already know. Yeah, I think you kind of already need to know embroidery because I wouldn't want to try to figure out how to do these stitches based on these diagrams. <laughs> the diagrams aren't great, but it gives you a lot of great ideas for what kinds of stitches to do where and how to um, 
modify your, you know, make your stitches more complex, starting with a base stitch and adding stuff to it. So in that degree, it's very good. Um, also addresses some motifs uh, like a duck, a pheasant, or I'm sorry, that's a peacock, not a pheasant. Um, various things like that. Again, more traditional, but really good information in that one. Then when it comes to doing the embroidery, so those three are about how to make the crazy quilts themselves plus the embroidery. If you're looking for just the ideas for the embroidery, um, I did buy, this is from Interweave, I believe is where I got this, may have been CNT Publishing, Embroidery and Crazy Quilt Stitch Tool, Judith Baker, Montano. Um, embroidery and Crazy Quilt Stitch Tool. And this is a little flip book, essentially. It's got a big old spiral binding, and then the cover is made in such a way that you can stand it up in front of you to use it as reference. And it has a ton of embroidery stitches and a ton of ribbon embroidery stitches. A little bit of beading, but not much. Um, and so again, it's, it's good for reference. I have found that I've used this book less because sometimes it's hard for me to interpret. If it's a stitch I'm unfamiliar with, it's hard for me to figure out what the diagrams actually mean because it's small. So they only have, they have very limited space to create the picture, the step-by-step -step procedure for how to do the stitch. Um, the plus side of this, however, is that it does show it both left-handed and right-handed, which most embroidery books don't. If you're a lefty, you're kind of left to your own devices to figure out how to adjust it um, for your own handedness. Um, this book does show it both ways, so that's useful. But again, I don't know if I was just trying to learn. Well, I, I've actually owned this almost since I first started doing embroidery and I use it more as reference. If I'm trying to think of what stitch do I want to do next, I might sit and flip through it to get ideas. I don't necessarily, if I find a stitch in there that I think I like, but I don't really know how to do, I go to YouTube. <laughs> to find the directions because that's not quite as useful and plus this thing was not cheap it was like 22 bucks so that one i don't recommend quite as highly um but it's still got some value then another book i've owned for a while is called beading on fabric and it's an encyclopedia of bead stitch techniques by larkin jean van horn i may have talked about this in a past episode but it would have been a while back um, this book, I, I love the way it's set up, by the way. It's a very uh, solid hardcover book with a spiral binding inside, so it's really easy to flip it and, and lay it open in front of you to use as reference. Um, it's got a lot of good eye candy, but it's not so much a step-by-step -step for stitching. There are some in there, um, but they're definitely more complex. This is not geared at if you just want to add a few little beads here and there to your embroidery, but mostly be embroidering, this is more if you are all out beads. Um, that being said, I do still look at this for ideas um, because there are some art quilts and things in here where she's only used a little bit of beading. So you can get some ideas about how to incorporate beads into your design. Um, there's a lot of information in here about beads themselves and the different types of beads there are and kind of effective ways to use each of them. She also talks about setting up your workspace and of course other tools and resources that are helpful. So when I first started doing some of the beading, I did go back to this book and just get some ideas. It hasn't been my go-to book as much as the beadwork embroidery or bead embroidery class on Craftsy. 
that I took with Myra Wood, which I just, I believe, actually, the review of that class just posted. No, that might have been last week, and then this week I just posted the the sequel class to that. Um, look on my blog. They're all on there. <laughs> um, then there's another very old book, and this is a series I've talked about multiple times. If you can find this used on Amazon, it is worth getting. Um, this series of books, they're the Rodale... Rodale's Successful Quilting Library, and I think I've got all of, I inherited these all from my mom, I think I've got all of the books, and it looks like there's maybe 10 to 12 of them sitting on my shelf. They're all hardcover. They all cover different uh, topics uh, around quilting, um, and one of them's like design and pattern drafting, one of them is borders and bindings, there's just a slew of them. And this one is Creative Embellishments, and it talks about different ways to embellish a quilt. All of these books are just excellent reference. And again, if you can find them used on Amazon, you can buy them like for a couple of bucks or three bucks a book. So it's definitely worth adding to your library. Um, so that's just another one I wanted to lift up. It goes through all sorts of different types of embellishments you can do both by machine and hand. It does talk about, for example, adding beads by machine. Um, if you have the, uh, what are they called, the, the rope, the bead ropes, and you can couch them down by machine, depending on the size and whether you've got the right feet. It talks about using buttons. It talks about using, uh, uh, what's the word, rickrack. It talks about using little tiny applique and silk flowers and um, lace motifs and, of course, beadwork. So if you're really getting into uh, crazy quilting, this is another book you're going to want to look at because it's not just beading and embroidery. It talks about a, a whole world of ways that you can um, add to your crazy quilt or any quilts you're doing. Now, my two new purchases, I, really, I just bought these in the last week and I've already used both of them. Uh, the first one is Doodle Stitching the Holiday Motif Collection, Embroidery Projects and Designs to Celebrate the Seasons. And that one's by Amy Ray, Amy spelled A-I-M-E-E, -E, Ray. And um, she has several doodle stitching books out. I do own another doodle stitching book. It wasn't what I'd hoped it'd be, the first one that I bought. And I don't remember if I ever talked about it on an episode or not. I was hoping it would be more motifs. It was actually more projects. This one is a better blend. It has, it's a lot of projects, but within those projects, there's a ton of motifs. And what I really like about this is it has a CD with all of those motifs on it. So you can print them off in different sizes. You can even put them, if you've got a photo um, editing software or illustrator or whatever, you can then go in and color them ahead of time. So you can kind of create yourself your own color guide or play with color placement or whatever. So it's really, really highly usable. Um, and I believe I did already use a motif from here. I think that's, yeah, I used the uh, dove from this book on my crazy quilt. And the other book is called Stitched Blooms, 300 Floral leaf and border motifs to embroider and this one's by Karina Envoldsen Harris E N V O L D S E N Envoldsen Harris I love this one absolutely love this one and I've I've already traced out a couple of motifs from this that I'm going to be using in um, my block this one is as it sounds like a whole bunch of flowers and leaves and vines and borders and stuff again that you can 
uh, trace and use and it also comes with a CD so you can expand them to whatever size you need or shrink them down or do your own color charts ahead of time etc. It does have a ton of projects in there. I'm not planning on doing any of the projects so I can't speak to whether the project instructions in either of these books are you know good easy to use. Um, I am simply using these for the designs themselves because as I've talked about before drawing is a bit of an issue for me. Uh, what I can do is well, I think in this case, I'm using those the motifs right pretty much the way they're drawn. Um, but I am very good at adapting or editing other people's work. <laughs> so I may not always use these uh, motifs dead on, but they're both really, really helpful books. Um, so I will post links to all of those things when I do the show notes for this episode. So that's really it. I'm going to hold off and do listener feedback on my next episode. I may actually, I don't know, maybe next weekend I'll just do a short episode that's kind of mostly listener feedback and a little bit of update on where I am at that point in my stuff. Meanwhile, keep an eye out for the next day or two. I will get the Quilty Resolution blog post up so that you can start submitting your own Quilty Resolutions. Um, So those of you who participated last year, be thinking about uh, how you did last year and then for everybody be thinking ahead to what you might want to do this year and remember there's a giveaway involved. So that's it for this episode. You know how you can get a hold of me. You can email me at sandyquilts at gmail.com, sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z. You can follow the blog. You can follow me on Twitter and Pinterest and uh, Flickr, all of those places. I'm Sandy Quilts, Sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z, also on Craftsy that way. You can like the Quilting for the Rest of Us page on Facebook. You can friend me on Goodreads. Um, Oh, I'm also on Pinterest and Instagram, uh, both as Sandy Quilts, Sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z. You can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Flickr group, and you can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Kiva team and do good all over the world. And you will find links to almost all of those things on my website at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. And until next time, go get your quilty on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom. 